2: It's time now to go beyond the headlines. And for the next two hours, go where every sports fan wants to go. Behind the scenes and into the practice facilities, locker rooms, coaches' offices, and press boxes to get the info before anyone else. This is the ESPN 1320 Insiders.
3: You're dang right it is. That means it's Kyle Madsen. That's me. That means it's James Hamm. That's him. It's a Thursday, baby.
4: We How got past doing, hump day. We I, did. It's good. We made it. Yeah, really <laughs> we made it, Kyle. I'm really proud of us. Really proud of us. Yeah. Oh, uh, spectacular.
3: Yeah, man. Kyle, it's got... a it's a good day. Yeah, Thursday is my favorite day of the week. Because Friday is like, yeah, you have to come to work, you have to do all that. You have to do all the 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 work things. It's not a day off. Mm-hmm. But the vibes at work on Friday are always really good. I never feel like I'm at work on a Friday. Like there's a lot of people who work from home. So the office isn't super packed. Everybody's feeling good. Usually there's donuts or something like that. That, (laughs) (laughs) So there'll be donuts. There's, you know, there's a, it's payday this Friday. So just the vibes are always good. Like I always feel like, ah, you know what? Everything's fine. So Thursday is my favorite day of the week because you get through Thursday and then you're coasting into the weekend. It's the last like real work day for me. Okay. I get so it, I right? I, I begin the Friday vibes early. You are a big Thursday guy. I do, it's my, it, I think it's my hottest take that Thursday is the best day of the week.
4: That I think it is your hottest take. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, for me, I don't really know what day of the week it is at all ever because when you cover an NBA team, you just kind of go by that schedule. Like I know when Sunday is. That's mm. the only day that I know what day it is, and that's probably <laughs> that's probably my favorite day of the week. Sunday is, yeah, because I like to sit there and watch football from hmm. ten o'clock in the morning all the way through. I'll even get up and watch soccer, and so by the time I'm I'm done, I like first of all I can hardly get up off the couch, but I've been sitting there from like sometimes from eight o'clock all the way until sure like eight o'clock. Sure, or like Sundays
3: Sundays have value for sure.
4: It does, yeah. It's it's a day that I I usually like lay low. It's my day to decompress and just kind of get right in the head.
3: I work all day on Sundays, so I'm out on Sundays. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I wake up. I wake up. I go get coffee. Maybe sometimes get a, get a little bagel. Uh, then it's, you know, watching football until Niners and Actives come out, and then I write those, and I'm sitting there watching football until Niners game, and then I'm working until 10. It's like, oof. Okay. So Sundays, Sundays are down the day of the week power rankings for me because of that. Like, I love football. I love football season, but – When you got to work all day, it's like mm, it takes some of the joy. It takes some of the joy out of the out of the football watching experience. That's okay,
4: Okay. I could see that. Yeah, Yeah, because I mean, like I don't get all excited for every game night.
3: Yeah, of course.
4: Yeah. I mean, I like, you know, I I go to every game night, but like you're not just like over the top. Oh, my gosh. It's uh,
3: the Kings play. There's not that singular urgency that there is with the NFL. Yeah. Like sometimes like some nights it's going to be the Warriors and it's going to be super amped. Another nights it's gonna be the Hornets and it's gonna be like
4: hmm. I was thinking about this yesterday too while we were while we were talking. Yeah. That an NFL loss is basically the equivalent of like a four, four and a half game losing streak in in the
3: NBA. Is that it? Isn't it like five? I don't think it's a true is it truly five. Seventeen games. Seventeen, 17 times five games. is eighty five. Oh, okay. So yeah, four or five games.
4: Yeah, four to five games. Mm -hmm. So if you lose three in a row like the Niners did, it really equates to like a 14, 15 game losing streak in the NBA. And that's just, it's a weird thought. It's a weird way to think of things. But you can, if you can correct yourself after a three game losing streak in the NFL. Yeah. And if you can rally and, and win a bunch of games. So it goes the other way too, right? So if you're on a, what are the Niners on a four or five game win streak? Four. Okay, so the equivalent of almost a eighteen to twenty game win streak <laughs> by NBA standards.
3: Yeah, if they don't if they don't lose again, they'll finish the season on a thirty-eight game win streak. <laughs> <laughs> by NBA standards, yeah. Yeah. That's that's
4: weird. It's a weird way to think of it.
3: So I'm glad you brought that up because that's I think a big reason why I like the end season tournament so much. Yeah. Because like the semifinals tonight, Pacers, Bucks, and it's Pelicans, Lakers, and I'm like I'm going to lock in two o'clock is when the first game starts, which is weird, but okay. Two o'clock is when the first game starts. I'm, I'm locking in. I'm going to follow it. I'm going to watch as much as I can. Whereas the non in-season tournament games right now feel like preseason games to me. Like they're on and I'm watching them and I understand in my brain that they affect the standings. But because of the in-season tournament and and how long we talked about, okay, when is it it's tournament night tonight, and okay, who needs to win and what's the point differential and this and that, and then oh, the Kings are because I mean the the Kings are the team I, I I follow for work, and so it's like all right, the the Kings are playing uh, tonight, and it's a it's a quarterfinal, so okay, what do they what what's it mean? Is it, and now that they're out, I just don't. I'm like, mm, okay, let's talk in March. Like I feel just, that way about it's just like kind of get there
4: baseball playoffs. Yeah, like it, once your team is done, you're like, "All right, dude." Like I'm not really hanging on to go see Philly and or, or who was it? It was Texas and and who, uh, who was World Series this year?
3: Oh, Texas and and uh, the Diamondbacks.
4: Oh yeah, and I, yeah, I'm like, there's no way I'm watching one of those games. Mm. Like I kind of like go past it. So I get what you're saying. Even like the NCAA tournament, if you had like a Big. T- if you're a a fan of a specific team, mm. I don't have any allegiance. I went to Davis. I, I like Davis is never in the tournament. If they,
3: if they make the tournament, it's like let's go. <laughs> well, I think one time they did, <laughs> mm-hmm. like
4: with Shima Moneki, I think, and it was like a big deal. And you're like, okay. Once you are done, you're like, okay. I, like right. I, I'm, I'm, I don't have a rooting interest anymore. Now the NCAA tournament, I'm all in to, for like the experience. Sure, sure, sure. sure. But with this in season tournament, it does kind of have like this weird feel where. There are four uh, four teams that advanced, and then there are all these crappy games going around it. Where you're like, okay, everyone else should stop playing, so we can only focus on yeah. what's happening. Yeah. So I think this is an error to their first year. Like they they need to clear the schedule a little bit. Mm-hmm. And but I don't think that would be fair that those teams that play all of a sudden um, they don't get a break and everyone else does.
3: I also and I also feel like because of because of the kings and the way this has gone down for them with them specifically i feel like the kings haven't played a game in 10 days it feels like it's been forever since tuesday night it's gonna be yeah like a a really
4: weird break in the in the middle like we don't usually get this many days off in the middle of the season
3: no and that's why that's but there's basketball happening it's not the all-star break where it's like okay let's let's plan sports talk around the all-star break it's like no, like Kings just haven't been in, haven't been playing. Yeah. Like the Warriors and Blazers played last night. It was just like, ugh, I just don't, <laughs> who can, I don't, and that's how I felt about all the NBA action because my focus has so singularly been on like, okay, the in-season tournament. Yeah. <laughs> and that no, we get I'm semifinals tonight. Yeah. I'm excited for it, man. I have, if you told me when the in-season tournament got announced originally that I was going to care this much, I would have been like, I don't believe you. Because when he first got announced, I was like, this is stupid. I was talking to, to Jack Cooley, King's legend, and they do in season tournaments. Wait, where's and... my ding? ding? Oh, okay. Yeah. Hang on. Hang on. Let me. I will... Kyle
4: was just hanging out
3: with Jack Cooley. Yeah. I get to do a name drop here. Hang on. I never get to do this. Okay. Here we go. So I was uh, talking to my buddy Jack Cooley, whose wedding I attended. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, so I was talking to Jack, and. I, they do, he's playing in Japan and they do these in-season tournaments. And I'm like, is this going to work in the NBA? Like, is anyone going to care? And he was like, yeah, probably not. Like, it's, it's just a thing. And so I just went in going, okay, the players aren't going to care. So I'm not going to care. And now here I am. I'm like, dang, I can't wait for Pacers bucks. (laughs) Can't wait for Indiana, Milwaukee. That is really (laughs) strange that we're excited to see
4: India. And I think that the fact that it's one and done yeah. It adds a new element to it. Yeah, it does.
3: Even, even though they're not being eliminated from anything. The the Bucks could lose by 50 tonight and win the championship. And at the end of the year nobody's going to go, "Well, they lost the in-season tournament." So does this really matter? No, that's very true. But at the same time, I'm like I want the I want I can't tell you. I want the Pacers to win so bad. To win everything? I want them to win it all.
4: Oh, uh, yeah. Like, see, you like, and I disagree on these things. Like, like, who you want to win, who I want to win. No, I don't want to build the narrative any more than it is.
3: Like, okay, that's fair. Okay, that's, I mean, that's, that's fair enough.
4: I don't want the Lakers to win, but outside of that, oh, and I, I, I don't know. Oh, I'm a big Pels guy
3: tonight. Here's okay. what I want I'm, I'm just, <laughs> I love when people freak out about small markets. Okay. Like Nick, Nick Friedel. Who I adore. I
4: love Nick Ferdel. I would... He's one of the best dudes.
3: The a, Not even like, oh, yeah, he's nice for a media guy. No, great person. Yeah. Like, j- love him to death. When he tweeted like, oh, the NBA doesn't want to see the Pacers in the, at 2 p.m. It's like, what? I mean, maybe. Like, he might be right. The NBA might be like, dang. Was really hoping it would be uh, Boston-Milwaukee with... Um, with the Lakers and the and the Warriors. That's what we were, were hoping for in the, in this tournament. Maybe. But at the same time, why? who cares? Why, like, dude, why are they pe-
4: playing at pe- 2 o'clock?
3: It's a very strange. <laughs> what, the, very, what in the maybe, world? Maybe because they didn't want to go up as much against Thursday night football, even though it's going to be the worst Thursday night football game of all time tonight.
4: That doesn't make, I, I did not know that the game starts two hours after we get off the air.
3: Yeah. we. So we're kind of a, kind of a strange vibe for sure. But I, I just, I don't understand. Like th- this happened with the world series. This has happened with super bowls. It has happened with NBA finals. The NBA finals last year. Oh, Denver, Miami. <laughs> no one's going to watch that. Why do you care? Who care? Are you going to watch it? Yeah. Like that, if you're not going to watch it because of the teams that are in it, fine. Like that's, then that's your prerogative. But what you can who, it doesn't affect you. It doesn't affect your pockets. It doesn't affect anything. No, I
4: agree. I agree. So like I, I'm okay with that. I do think that like the NBA, like if it is Pacers and Pelicans, it's a little worthy as far as markets, but like, again, that's I why I want it. I don't care.
3: That's why I want it so bad. You want the I want okay. the collective freak out of like Indiana New <laughs> <laughs> So well, what? And did you did you hear LeBron? Like No.
4: Uh LeBron said something to the fact that yeah, he's excited about the end season tournament because this is where he wants to have his team in Las Vegas. Like LeBron when he retires, wants to purchase a team and have that team be in Las Vegas.
3: Okay.
4: And so he's using the in season tournament as his platform to to promote this. I think it's interesting.
3: Okay. Good for LeBron. Right, LeBron. Good for you, bro. All right. We need to get
4: a break. LeBron's got a lot of money and he's got a lot of friends with money. He should be fine.
3: All right. We're going to do a ton of King stuff today because we've been talking about how do you move on from. You got to move Harrison Barnes. You got to trade this guy. You got to trade that guy. Okay, for what? We're gonna dive into the whole King's Trade discussion. I'm gonna tell you what. If the Warriors weren't already cooked, I'm gonna they are now, and I'll and I'll tell you why. And then a 49ers legend retires. We'll tell you all about that next on the insider, sponsored by Jiffy Lube, taking you up to noon right here on ESPN 1320 Sacramento Sports Leader.
2: Now back to the Insiders with James Ham and Kyle Madsen. Brought to you by Jiffy Lube on ESPN 1320.
3: I'm so happy you didn't talk about your lost balls on air.
2: Yeah.
0: I'm
4: very frustrated by FedEx <laughs> and their inability to find my missing soccer balls. Thank you. Soccer balls. <laughs> I, I guess I could just say, yes, I've got 16 soccer balls that have been delivered to the wrong address. Like I took a picture. mm of course, the picture doesn't have anything other than like...
3: No identifying marks. The ball is leaning home? up against yeah. a
4: taupe wall.
3: Yeah, sure. Yeah,
4: and you're like, what is that?
3: No unique color, nothing on the porch that would identify it
4: as... And what's worse is I have a taupe wall, but they're not leaning up against my taupe wall. Oh, boy. So And it's oh, not a, a porch pirate thing. The The guy dropped them off at the wrong place, and they can't somehow track... Where he dropped them off by the photo that he took.
3: Okay, look, here's what I want to know, and and thanks everybody for joining us. Uh, thanks for listening on ESPN 1320, YouTube.com/slash ESPN 1320. That's the YouTube page. Go hang out there. That's where the chats pop in, and it's always a good time. So we encourage everybody to get over there. If you're there, please subscribe to the video, hit that thumbs up, or subscribe to the page, hit that thumbs up on the video. We would uh, we would greatly appreciate that. So here's my here's my whole issue with this. Is this is not like something of value where somebody would be like, oh, I I can make money. They didn't drop off a PS5. Exactly. At the wrong house. They didn't drop off jewelry. Where somebody's like, score a PS5, which you know what? That's what you can do today at Sky River Casino from noon to four. Yeah. D-Lo and Casey are going to be out there. I think I'm going to pull up for a little bit. They're going to be giving away a PS5 along with a copy of NBA 2K24, courtesy of our friends over at Jiffy Lube. So big ups to Jiffy Lou, big ups to D-Lo and Casey out there at Sky River Casino from noon to four, giving away that PS Five. Anyways, it's not like someone went score free PS Five. I'm in score the Hope Diamond. I I'm, I'll take it. <laughs> Somebody went, <laughs> oh this box! I didn't order this, What is this? I'm just open it. I want to see what's inside. Sixteen
4: deflated soccer balls. I see like like a couple in their mid sixties, like. What are we going to do with all these soccer balls? I just get We here, can here. give them away to all of our grandchildren. I don't know. Like, it has my name on the box. It has the address. Somebody call me and tell me where the soccer balls are. But we got a tournament. We got a tournament that starts tomorrow. These kids have to play with... Uh... <laughs> I'll just stop there. They, they've got to go play soccer with some 1983 black and white checkered, uh, you know, like retro balls that their coach had decided to buy last year, sure. which, which of course have all fallen apart. And now we had all this beautiful set of soccer balls coming and n- no luck.
3: That's, that's rough. Hey, if you happen to be listening, or if you happen to have a friend or relative that went, hey, check this out. Got a delivery on my porch today. It's 16 <laughs> deflated soccer balls. What do I do with them? Those are James's. They're they're mine. Please hit us up. You know what? Here's what I'm going to do I unlock the phones right now. <laughs> 916-909-1320. If That's you right. have James's deflated balls, <laughs> please, please give us a call. All right. <laughs> uh. Kyle, we've gone, we've no. gone sideways. No, we're, I'm getting us back on track. I'm not letting us. I'm All not right, let's, let us go. Go let's go, let's go, Kyle. Jeffy we go.
5: Here we go. Jiffy Lou is what I'm calling it.
3: Okay. A 49ers legend retired today. Legend, yes. Robbie Gold. Robbie Gold in the Players Tribune announced that he is retiring from football. And honestly, going to be 100% frank here. I thought he already did that. I'm just wondering, like, when you're a
4: kicker and you retire. Do you like go to one of those places where they they bronze like your children's shoes and just have your foot dipped and just have it just bronzed?
3: Honestly, given how highly Robbie Gold thinks of Robbie Gold, it wouldn't shock me. Well, he would probably go solid gold. Yeah, I think I think you'd have to for sure. Um, no, re- really, really awesome career for him. 18 years in the league. He retires a day after his 41st birthday. It's an unbelievable career. I don't think he's going to wind up in Canton or anything, but he was a key part of some some good Niners teams here in the Kyle Shanahan era. I'm just talking through it and um, never missed a kick in the playoffs. 29 for 29 on field goal attempts. 39 to 39 on extra points for Robbie Gold in his playoff career. So shout out to him. He named his favorite kick of his career as the walk-off winner in Green Bay in January of 2022 in the divisional playoffs. I think at the end of my
4: career, I'm going to like name the favorite thing i ever wrote and as i walk off no i won't i like i'm i'm confused like like i guess i guess if you're gonna write in the player tribune and like put this out there that's fine I and i'd also say like if he was still the niners kicker they would have one more win this season <laughs> at least one at least at a minimum one
3: yeah probably two yeah maybe two yeah the, the one in the the missed kick in Minnesota was was definitely less damaging than the the missed game winner but yeah um not super easy to replace as the 49ers have found out there's a reason they franchise tagged him and they paid him for six years super reliable especially in big spots so like I said shout out to Robbie gold on a on a terrific uh 18 year career love it for him um That's like
4: a standard kicker career isn't that wild
3: I wouldn't Not necessarily stand. I feel like when you start getting north of 10, because there's a lot of guys that, because the 49ers have worked out a bunch of kickers and all this other, you look and you go, oh, I've heard that name for a long time. And then you look and they've actually kicked in like 17 games total.
4: Oh, okay.
3: Where they, they just kind of randomly pop up here and there. So yeah, when like nine years, 10 years for me with a kicker is like, all right, that's solid. When you start getting up north at fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, that's that's pretty incredible. Yeah, I saw
4: Mason Crosby came back. He's now the Rams kicker. He signed yesterday. <laughs> I think that I think that was who signed
3: Mason Crosby's been around for days, bro. Yeah. Well, we look it up, and
4: he'll probably have played eight years. And we'll be like, it seems like no. Nah, I think
3: like 05 is his rookie year. 07. 07 is his rookie year.
4: Oh wow. So sixteen years.
3: Yeah. He's in he's in year seventeen. This will be when he kicks for the when he kicks for the Rams.
4: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, kickers. I mean, there have been kickers who kick for like twenty five years. So, like the yeah, Andersons, Morton Anderson and Gary.
3: Oh, and Gary. Yeah, they both kicked. Yeah, you know, ever. Yeah,
4: until like their foot
3: fell off. Uh, who is who is the guy? Is it uh, Matt Bryant for the for the Cardinals? Like late in his career, he would basically he was on the team, but he would only handle like certain field goals what like oh no never mind it wasn't matt bryant never mind he was kicking 50 plus yarders he was 44 and kicking 50 plus yard field goals wow what a gangster no there was I, i i wish i could remember who it was but there was an old kicker who uh who by the end of his career he was only kicking like 30 to 40 yarders and anything else they had another guy who would do it
4: that's weird so morton anderson came into the league in 1982 he retired in 2007 Oh, my God. 2007. And I think he still had the the lone crossbar.
3: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, definitely. Uh, So he was, my brother was born in 1983. Uh, I was born in 1990. And he started kicking before my brother was born. And he stopped kicking during my senior year of high school. Oh, that's wild. That's incredible work. Yeah. Um, all right. Quick thing on the Warriors. They're cooked. <laughs> no, they are. So I kind of, I kind of already thought that like writing's kind of on the wall, right? You don't have a, you don't have a run that lasts this long and continue riding the same three best players and saying, yeah, those are going to be the guys. Those are going to be the guys too. So we've already seen right here in Sacramento, Steve Kerr at work pulling Moses Moody out of the fourth quarter of Sacramento's uh, in-season tournament win where they came back from 24 points down. In that fourth quarter, Moses Moody, the only guy who could do anything, who's not named Steph Curry, gets pulled, and Golden State doesn't have anybody else who can score. Last night, they're getting handled by the Blazers. Like, not, oh, the Blazers hit a bunch of shots and took a big lead, and then the Warriors... No, 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 no. The Blazers were just better for the, most of the game. And then Jonathan Kaminga comes in. Because Steve Kerr finally went, "Well, oh, fine, we'll play the former number seven overall pick. Fine. Fine, I guess we'll put him in. And A, he hasn't gotten to develop because he hasn't gotten that chance. And B, the fact that you have to begrudgingly put in, they are lacking size. They are lacking athleticism and youth. And you finally just, you have a young, athletic, big dude right there. And he finally goes, okay, fine, you go play. And oh, lo and behold, game turns. Warriors win. Anyways, Steve Kerr says after the game. Uh, where'd my where'd my quote go? This quote is incredible. Um, Steve Kerr quote: "This game called for J.K. Just with Portland's youth and athleticism, we needed to be able to match that and be able to score against our switches. So I was happy for J.K. that he stayed ready. You needed youth and athleticism just now, just now. No, like, they needed just, it just last night all the time, like, literally for two years. Yes, they've needed. It. And he's like, oh, this Portland team's just too much to handle." Like oh my god! It's Portland. <laughs> like that 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 is wild. It's really tough. It's really really tough. Yeah. So that's that's the state the the state of the Golden State Warriors. For the two anybody who the, the two
4: timeline thing is just difficult.
3: No, it's 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 tough. It's, it's you can that can work. If it's somebody like Moses Moody who just like, dude, that's an NBA ready player from day one. If it's somebody like Jonathan Kaminga, who hadn't gotten to play a ton of basketball and who had never had to play within kind of like a like a team structure, he'd just always been awesome. Yeah. Th- then, yeah, he's not going to get a chance to develop. And he's not. Super impactful last night, though. Shout out to him. I'm happy for him. I hope he winds up going to a team that will allow him to get the development that he needs. And maybe he's able to play in an, in an NBA rotation one day. Okay. Anyways. Uh. Got something else coming up on the Warriors because I want to talk about King's trade ideas, mm. and I actually think Moses Moody would make a great King. Oh, I
4: I don't disagree.
3: So I've got that. I've got some other names to throw at you, um, and we're just going to kind of continue our, our conversation that that we've been uh, that we've been having about King's moving on from Harrison Barnes and what does that look like and who do you go get? So we're going to do all of that. But we're going to first chat with our buddy Scott Cole Branson from Silver and Black today, uh, an Odyssey original podcast. All things Raiders. The Raiders return from their bye week on Sunday. They host the Minnesota Vikings at Allegiant Stadium. We will dive into all of that with Scott Cole Branson because if the Raiders win, they are right there in the thick of the playoff hunt. Huge game Again. for the Raiders here in Week 14. No, I, I'm so happy that it's Week 14 and we could talk about the Raiders like that. Scott Cole Branson is next, talking some NFL right here on ESPN 1320, Sacramento Sports Leader.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.
2: Now, back to the Insiders with James Hamm and Kyle Matson, brought to you by Jiffy Lube on ESPN 1320.
3: The Raiders are back from their bye week. Big game coming up against the Minnesota Vikings at Allegiant Stadium on Sunday. I am honestly shocked. That We're sitting here in week 14 talking about the Raiders playing in a big game where, hey, you know what? They're, they keep their playoff hopes alive. And to talk about that with us, we're going to chat with Scott Colbranson. Silver and Black today is the podcast. That is an Odyssey original podcast talking all things Las Vegas Raiders. You can get that at the free Odyssey app. You can get it wherever you get your pods. Scott, how we doing, man?
5: It's good, man. Thursday is always my favorite part of the day. I get to spend time with you. It's kind of my Friday because my work week starts on Sunday, clearly. And so always good to be with you guys here and talk about uh, about the Raiders and and what we're going to see over the last five weeks from this team.
3: I want to make sure we're getting to to the Raiders, but we will chat someday about Thursday being the best day of the week. That's uh, one of my one of my hottest takes, one of my one of my go to uh, um, hot takes. So uh, we we will talk about that. Um, I'm not going to get derailed. I'm not going to do it. All right. What Raiders are back from the bye. Um, Minnesota looked like they were going to be a playoff team and then all of a sudden Josh Dobbs came crashing back down to earth is this a game that you look at is like winnable for the Raiders in the sense that you know what may you know what they should go get this one
5: yeah I, I do think that I think that these teams and, and one of the main reasons I think that you talked about Dobbs like the, the clock strike at midnight I mean such a great story but it seems like he struggled. Obviously, the turnovers, they ju- they're coming off a bye week, too. Mm. Uh, the loss to Chicago was awful for them. But if you look at it overall and the numbers, these teams are kind of matched up uh, evenly. And so if I'm the Raiders, I'm looking at this as the first of a, a two-game stretch at home, right? So they, they're playing against uh, the Vikings, and then they got to go on a, sh- on a, on a week uh, Thursday. they got to play on a Thursday night game against the Chargers, so a division game. So I think that for them, yeah, it's a big deal coming off the bye. What were they able to do off the bye with that inconsistent offense, which just hasn't, even going back to when Josh McDaniels was there, uh, had moments, spurts, all the talent there on offense, and they just can't get it to go consistently. I think they have an opportunity to do that. The Vikings secondary is very young, not terrible, but also it's on the bottom tier of the league. So you have an opportunity, I think, with Devontae Adams, with Jacoby Myers, and with Aidan O'Connell, if he plays turnover-free football, I think there's going to be opportunity there. Vikings are good against the run, so you have to get Josh Jacobs going. But at the same time, I think the matchups for the Raiders uh, allow them to open up their offense. We just have to see if they if they plan for that during the bye, and they're going to come out and do it.
4: Scott, we've had a, a little bit of a run here with Aiden O'Connell. Just how how would you grade him out at this point? Uh, he's had some ups and downs, you know, four picks. I mean, six picks on the season, four touchdowns, he's at 1,200 yards, uh, you know, but realistically, his numbers aren't that different than Jimmy Garoppolo's, except for he doesn't have nine picks. (laughs) So, uh, but like, how would you, how would you grade him out so far uh, early in his career?
5: You know, I would give him a solid B and and I say that because. If you look at what he's been able to do, if you look at his decision-making, you know, for for crazy people like us who cover the sport and we're watching film all week, so you watch the same game over six, seven times, uh, you see what he does, and clearly he's a rookie. He makes those mistakes, uh, he misses some passes, but overall his decision-making is very solid, and I think that he's got the skill set there to be an NFL quarterback now. The issue with Aiden O'Connell, and I've been arguing with our listeners, uh, I say friendly discussion with our listeners online this week over the NFL and its changing landscape. And and the problem with Aiden O'Connell, if you want to call it a problem, is just who he is. He is not a mobile quarterback. And I'm not talking about a running quarterback. I'm talking about being functionally mobile, like you have to be in the NFL today, like a Justin Herbert in the same division. You have to be able to do that. And he's not that. Uh, Can he make up for it? He could. But you have to have a really good offensive line if you're going to have a guy back there who's kind of a statue. They don't have that right now. So when you look at his development, I think you're looking at it as a long term. Okay, could this be a guy who could come in and be a spot starter? You want to call it a relief pitcher, however you want to put it uh, and and develop into a nice player where if you do go out, because I think the Raiders need to draft another quarterback. Uh, and I would even say they can go out and get a third quarterback and put some competition in camp next next year. But Aiden O'Connell, man, it, it's a great story. He's got a lot of good skill sets. Not the biggest arm in the world, but he can throw long. Uh, it's just the consistency you don't find with a rookie. But I give him the B because his numbers have been pretty good. Uh, his demeanor is great for the pro game. Uh, I just don't think from a long term perspective with the Raiders at where they're at that he is the answer as a franchise quarterback. Uh, and he's got five games here to prove if he can take the next step before the end of the season so the Raiders can go in the offseason and say, hey, this is a guy we'd like, at least as a number two, but also as a guy who can come in and compete with whoever we may go draft or sign as a free agent.
3: Talking with Scott O'branson of Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast talking all things Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, Scott, is Aiden O'Connell the player who needs to, If, if the, and again, this is in the, in the scope of or through the lens of, the the Raiders making a playoff run is Aiden O'Connell the player who needs to step up the most or are you looking at somebody else for for this team to make a run
5: it's a good question we, we actually talked about that on our show today uh saying you know what what would this team have to do because I believe that a, a playoff run would be improbable right with what they have coming down the line where they're at at five and seven that's what makes the game so big if they're going to stay have any chance to to, to make a run at a wild card in the AFC, which is just an incredible bloodbath. Um, They're going to have to win Sunday. But I think he is the key. He's one of the keys because uh, you're going to have to get elevated play. Uh, It's not all on him, though. The Raiders and their offensive uh, uh, coaching staff, Bo Hardigree, the interim offensive coordinator, they have to get more aggressive. At this point, Antonio Pierce as the interim head coach He's on a five-game audition. He's two and two over his first four games, beat two bad teams, lost to two good teams. So we don't really know what he's capable of and whether or not he's really going to factor in when the Raiders make a decision on head coach. So I think that they have to go out there. They have to be aggressive. They've been aggressive at times, and it's worked really well, guys. But then they seem to revert back, and that's when they have trouble and they can't convert third downs and they can't keep the defense off the field. The Raiders' defense is improved. It's still a bottom third defense in the league. So you have to get your offense going. And so O'Connell's a big part of that because he's going to have to make the passes that he's, that he's given. And he's going to have to have people like Devonte Adams, who's great. Uh, really, I think, catch fire down the stretch here along with Myers, along with Hunter Renfro, who they've started to use more, obviously, since McDaniels is gone. And then I also think they need to get the ball more to the second-round rookie, who's Michael Mayer, the big tight end. So a lot of it is, I think, incumbent on this offense. If this offense can go from scoring 16.8 points a game to maybe scoring 22, 23, 24 a game over the last five games, then you know all bets could be off. But it's, it's, it's a tough hill to climb for sure.
4: Scott, I want to shift gears for one sec. A- and you brought up, you know, that, that they lost to two good teams. And one of those teams, of course, they lost to the Dolphins, but they also lost to Kansas City Chiefs. Chiefs right. seem to be scuffling. And, you know, they're a division rival. You got them one more time. You got a couple of division games still left. You got Chargers, you got the Chiefs, you got the Broncos. Are the Chiefs a really good team? or or because i'm looking at the the final, you know, five games of the the raiders schedule and i look at it like all five of them are winnable games. There there's not one there that stands out, especially with the way the chiefs are as like a game that they just there's no way they're going to they're going to compete in.
5: Yeah. Uh, you know, it's interesting. It's a great question. I think that the the chiefs are a good team. Are they but we're so used to them being better right Uh, I mean if you look at the numbers they're still top 10 defense and top 10 offense I would argue the defense obviously this year is better than their offense they've struggled with that Uh, but at the same time it creates some matchup issues for the Raiders with the Chiefs especially with the running game with Pacheco doing so well and just running like a a man on fire Uh, the Raiders have not been able to contain the run really well so so that worries me for them but I think the Chiefs you have to always consider uh, Patrick Mahomes now Patrick Mahomes still up there. I know a lot of people, because they're not doing what they're used to doing, people think, well, the Chiefs aren't that good. I, think the, I still think they're pretty good. And you can't ever underestimate, as you know, too, I don't care if you're covering baseball or basketball or football, when you get into the playoffs, the experience you have there, especially at quarterback, uh, means a lot. And so Patrick Mahomes, I think you get into the tournament, so to speak, uh, and, and he's dangerous. But, yeah, you look at the stretch, the Broncos have surged. We'll see if that lasts, right, because uh, they play them the last game of the year. And then the Chargers, the Chargers are just a mystery, right? They can't – obviously, the head coaching situation is not working for them. Their offense was supposed to be better, uh, and, and and they just haven't been able to do it. So I, I think the, Char, the, the, the Raiders, if they can beat the Vikings and beat the Chargers at home on that Thursday night game, then you kind of start to think, well, wait a minute. If these guys can put it together, then they have an opportunity. But that division, I mean, between the Chiefs right now uh, and if if they seem to catch fire towards the end of the year, I still think they're the team to beat there. Now, in the AFC overall, we could have a discussion because I think there are teams playing much better than the Chiefs.
3: The Chiefs are so fascinating to me because I keep waiting for the the other shoe to drop with their offense. Like, it's Andy Reid (laughs) and Patrick Holmes. Like, eventually they're going to figure it out, right? And then I've said at the start of the year, I'm like, this is like week three or four, I'm like, eh, Give it till week nine. They'll have it figured out. And now we're sitting here in week 14. I'm like, eh, they're gonna figure it out eventually. Like maybe they're just not. Maybe maybe they've found the bar for receiver play that Patrick Mahomes can lift up and make championship level.
5: Yeah, and and you know, we always talk about how Andy Reid is such a master, right? Especially with with offense and what he's been able to do there. But I'll tell you what, it's you know, you saw that Patriot run, right? And you saw that dynasty, if you want to call it that. Um, I don't think that ever happens again. I think a lot of people thought the Chiefs would be that. Mm -hmm. But I I think the way the NFL has changed – and the NFL has changed rapidly, too. I was having a discussion with a colleague yesterday uh, who was arguing with me that, no, pocket passers – if you look at the last nine Super Bowls, it's like seven of them have been pocket passers. I said, yeah, but it's changed so rapidly with the offense. You look at what Miami's done with all the motion they got going down there with Tua and with Tyreek Hill – it's changed quickly and that's what happens. And so I think if you look at the, the, the landscape and what the chiefs are, you got an aging tight end as great as Travis Kelsey is, you have uh, not only the receiving issues that you've had problems with, even their offensive line hasn't been as good as it's been in the past. So I think, yes, I think, that, that the Chiefs are not going to be as good as they were. Uh, and, and that has to do with player personnel. That has to do with people figuring out and seeing it for so many years too. Because, listen, defensive coordinators, man, they can catch up quickly. Yes, And I think for the most part they are. And, and so you've got to adapt. And is Andy Reid at the point in his career where he's able to do that? And does he have the horses to do it? It'll be interesting to see when they get in the playoffs because obviously they'll make the playoffs. Uh, what happens there? If they're one and done, then what does Kansas City do? Do they start to think about kind of tearing down a little bit and building back up around Patrick Holmes? Would be
3: fascinating. Scott Gobranson, Silver and Black. Today is the podcast. Uh, Scott, one one last quick thing before we before we get you out of here. I know you're not super bullish on the on the Raiders potentially making a run here. What are their chances to make the playoffs if they win? And if they lose, I'm just kind of going to assume that they're that they're out of it. But if they win, what kind of chances do you give them to make the postseason?
5: It's it's a great question. I think. Listen, if, I would put it this way. I'm going to couch your question a little bit. I'm great. going to say if they can win two in a row, if they beat uh, Minnesota and then can beat can uh, can be uh, the LA Chargers at home, mm-hmm. then I like their chances a little better because then you 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 talk about being at seven and seven, and let's say. Um, you you can somehow go to Kansas City and win that one. And then you got Denver at home to end the season. The Broncos haven't beat the, the Raiders in four years. So even though they're surging. So I would say, wow, if they can put two together, but even then, guys, will 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 nine games get you in the playoffs in the AFC? Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. And with the tiebreakers and all the other things we got going on there, it might not be enough. But it would certainly be great for them, the franchise. Uh, and for Antonio Pierce, who wants the job full-time, clearly, <laughs> to go out like that. If they could win uh, uh, four in a row uh, after beating the Vikings or five in a row, that would be huge. But, man, it's it's tough to win five in a row in the NFL when you haven't done it in 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 several years.
3: Yeah, and the AFC is loaded, too. Scott, thank you so much yes. for hopping on with us. We appreciate you so much. Uh, taking time out of your day, as you do every Thursday, right here on uh, ESPN 1320, Sacramento Sports Leader. Uh, really appreciate you, buddy.
5: I appreciate you guys. Have a great week. See you, Scott.
3: Silver and Black Today, that's the podcast hosted by uh, Scott Gold Branson, Mo Moten, his co-host. They do a really great job covering all things Las Vegas Raiders. Um, It's an Odyssey original podcast. Get that at the Odyssey app, the free Odyssey app, or wherever you get your pods. I don't think the Raiders are going to make the playoffs, but the fact that they made all the changes they made made in their coaching staff, the fact that they made the change they needed to make in their front office the fact that they are not just clinging to the Jimmy Garoppolo thing in hopes that he'll figure something out, and they're letting Aiden O'Connell rock, and they're letting Antonio Pierce have a real shot at being the head coach and changing the culture and getting that team headed the right way. I feel a lot better about the Raiders today. Win win or lose on Sunday doesn't matter. I feel so much better about the Raiders today than I did whenever it was six weeks ago we were talking about how they should probably just start losing as often as possible.
4: Yeah, I do too. Like, this is a team that, you know, they're they're just really, they set themselves up early in the season to be in a bad position.
0: I totally Like, agree.
4: if you would have yeah. made a change three weeks earlier, we would have given yourself an opportunity. Mm-hmm. And, and now it's about, you know, you're kind of in no man's land with the draft. It's about building a culture and all that stuff. So I get it. Um, but there are also games that are sitting here that, you know, maybe you can take. Uh, you know, like, I don't think anyone on that schedule is playing well enough that you just instantly say, Hey, that's a loss. That's a loss. You know, the Vikings, Chargers, Chiefs, Colts, Broncos. Like, you can beat any one of those teams. You could also lose all five.
3: No, Right. Yeah. They're all, they that's all who feel they are. like, yeah. like, not, I don't want to say coin flips. I wouldn't call them coin flips. It's definitely like lean Chiefs, probably lean Chargers on a short week. Yeah. Uh, you're probably leaning uh, Colts. It was a, that's, that's a, they've been a really good team for the last few weeks. Mm-hmm. But again, if the Colts face planted over the next three weeks, would anybody be like floored by that? Not at all. I wouldn't. I'd be a little surprised. Not at all. Like Shane Steichen's doing a nice job, but I wouldn't be like floored. So yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you, man. I'm just glad that they've been competitive down the stretch here. Yeah. I think they've given at least,
4: you know, some sort of avenue where they can improve next season.
3: Yeah. And that's yeah. good.
4: I mean, yeah. I think that's all you're, you're looking for this late in the season. Yeah.
3: You know what I'm not looking for Uh at any point of the season? This Patriots-Steelers game tonight. Nope. There was a time not that long ago where Pat Steelers was like, oh, heavyweight fight, AFC championship game preview. This is a showdown. It's Bill Belichick against against Mike Tomlin and Tom Brady against Ben Roethlisberger. Oh, man. The over-under on this game tonight. Because I know you, listener, are like, Patriots, Steelers, those teams can't score any points. The Patriots have held their opponents to less to 10 or fewer points in three straight games. And they've lost all of them. <laughs> the Steelers fired their offensive coordinator who was holding them back. They've scored 20 points in two games since doing so. So, total? T- yeah. Oh, wow. In the two games. Yeah. Tough. Tough look for our Steelers. Yeah the over under for this game tonight now keep in mind it's on a short week two struggling offenses the over under is set at 30 <sighs> to give you to give like context when it's pouring down rain and it's going to be windy and one team starting its backup quarterback and the other team has an awesome defense and oh my god you'll see a low total and it'll be like 36 and a half 37 38 in these awful conditions, where you're like, man, I don't know how anyone's going to score points, and the total tonight is thirty. What if I
4: told you, I would take the under? I think that's the right move. I I think I would take the under.
3: It, here's here's why I <laughs> would here's why I would lean the under here. If you're if you're betting, if you're not familiar with sports wagering, the book sets an over under, which is the total points scored. So you either bet whether you think it's going to go over or under that Mm -hmm. total points, it's easy anyways (laughs) i would take the under here because if you bet the over and it's 10 to 6 you're gonna be sitting there like you idiot of course of course it was 10 to 6 whereas if i bet the under and it's 20 to 13 it's like ah all right someone got in the end zone win some lose some yeah you know whatever But if you take the over on this game and it goes under, you're going to feel real dumb. And that's how I that's how I go about my wagering. Okay. what's going to make me feel the least amount of stupid? What I would prefer to do is just
4: not watch and and watch in season tournament.
3: Yeah, no, I'll definitely have the in season. I think this is going to be I'm not even going to go laptop on this tonight. This might this is going to be a phone screen one. This is going to be one where like the phone is on (laughs) is on the coffee table. And every once in a while, I'll look down and go, what's happening here? It's like my own version of red zone. Only I'm doing anything else. And then every once in a while, I'll check in on the game. Like what's happening here? Yeah. I think on second and 18 at their own 20. All right. Here's a punt. Yeah. Go do something else. I
4: just think it's really weird that we'll already have one basketball game in the books by the time that game starts. Yeah. One end season tournament game done.
3: A two o'clock tip is really, I, for, the NCAA, in Las Vegas? for like... the NCAA tournament, I get it because <laughs> they got to fit a million games in. And that's just like the time of year. It's springtime. It's March. Everybody's got their brackets. You're sitting there at work with every TV's got games on. It's like this is the vibe. I love this. Watching hoops at two p.m. on a Thursday. Like, did they have like? Hey. It feels fake.
4: We need you guys out of here early. We've got uh, Cirque du Soleil training scheduled at nine o'clock tonight. I'd be in the building. Yeah, no,
3: seriously, I'd be fascinated to know what the impetus was behind this schedule.
4: I bet you it has something to do with the NHL uh, ice under the floor. Like they're they've got to have like there's got to be a game this weekend, but they need a certain amount of time to. To get the ice ready. Hmm. That's what my guess is going to be, that it's got to be something that makes related. Sense. Yeah. That makes sense. Either way, it, it doesn't make any sense that you would have a game that early. I, I like that. That's just, play it somewhere else. Yeah, because
3: else. Even, if, even if they're worried about like the timing, even if you go 5 and 7.30, the, the 7.30 game's over before 10 and you're in Vegas. Like, you're yeah, good.
4: It's almost like there's a party they all have to go to that we're not invited to. Right. 10,
3: 10 p.m. in Vegas might as well be 4 p.m. Yeah, hey, you're good to go. So I I think that's a good call. The ice the ice deal.
4: Yeah, it's got to be something. I, I don't know.
3: Although no, because they've got a final. They're on Saturday.
4: Oh know. that's true. I don't know. I don't know, man. I'm gonna have to look up the hockey schedule now, which is something that I never thought I would do. And now there's gonna be like a hockey schedule like in my search. So now I'm gonna get. Like weird hockey updates and all of my ads, and I'm gonna be very frustrated by this whole entire thing. Huh? It's okay.
3: I'm sorry. Or <laughs> <laughs> right, you're just gonna be locked in on the Las Vegas Golden Knights? That's it. Yeah. it,
4: it probably not, because I know I, I know some of their owners, so probably not.
3: All right, I got a couple of things to tell you about D'Lo and KC coming up after us, as always. They are live today at Sky River Casino at Blue Thirty Two. Head down there, hang out. It's a live show. It is a ton of fun. They have a really good time with it. They're going to be giving away a PS5 and a copy of NBA 2K24, courtesy of our friends over at Jiffy Lube. So please go down there, not only to watch and enjoy the heck out of a really good radio program, but uh, also try and win yourself or maybe your child or your friend or your sibling or your parent, a PS5 with NBA 2K24, courtesy of the homies over at Jiffy Lube.
4: Jiffy Lube is what I'm calling it what I'm calling it.
3: Indeed. And you know we love Jiffy Lube because we're not even getting paid to do this. There it is, Kyle. Am I right?
4: There it is. Uh
3: ESPN 1320 and Kiki's Chicken in the greater Sacramento area are trying to make Christmas brighter for kids this holiday. It's like we're trying to do that, giving away PS5. Kiki's Chicken in the greater Sacramento area is doing the most here and this is really, really cool. All you have to do is drop off a few new unwrapped toys at any Kiki's Chicken place in the greater Sacramento area now through December 16th Uh, And all those toys stay local. That's the cool thing that I like about this. It's not just going to some foundation and they go throw it in a warehouse and you never know what happens. These toys are going to stay here in Sacramento and they're going to be distributed by Stanford Sierra Youth and Families to uh, youth in in the Sacramento area. So super cool that Kiki's Chicken Place is doing this. Uh, There's a huge need for presents, by the way, for kids 12 to 18 years old. Like so many of the gifts are often for for really young kids. Got to remember the 12 to 18 year olds. Um... So, so please keep that in mind. If, if you are going to donate, we would appreciate that greatly. You can join us for the Odyssey Sacramento crew on Saturday, December 16th at Kiki's chicken at 5120 Auburn Boulevard and sack from 11 AM to 1 PM for a special collection day. Please drop by and say, hi, I have to go to Oakland and then come back to Sacramento on Saturday. I am still coming up to Sacramento Saturday morning Boy, and I'm going to hang out at Kiki's chicken. That's dedication. For special donation. Yeah, dude, it's Christmas time. It's my favorite time of year. And if I can help take part in, in this really cool event, then, then I'm definitely going to do that. So uh, shout out to Kiki's Chicken and, and everybody here at, at Odyssey Sacramento is going to be out there. 11 a.m. to 1 p.m., 5120 Auburn Boulevard in Sacramento. Thanks for helping Kiki's Chicken and ESPN 1320 make Christmas brighter for kids this Christmas. All right. We got to hit a break. When we come back, I want to dive into this whole King's trade thing, and there's nobody better to talk about it with than you, James. So, frankly, that's what we're going to do. I'm not texting people. I'm not on Twitter. I'm not DMing people. I'm going to ask the source. I'm asking James Ham. We're going to talk about uh, King's trades, who needs to go, who do they need to bring in, and do those two things line up? I think that's a big question that we'll try
1: and answer next on ESPN 1320 Sacramento Center. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. After investing
2: billions to light up our network, Welcome back to our number two of the ESPN 1320 Insiders. Get ready for the most up-to-date sports news and talk with the ESPN 1320 Insiders.
3: Taking you right up to noon. Before handing it off to D'Lo and KC there down in Sky River Casino today out at Blue 32. Great bar, good food. Yeah. Good vibes over there. Definitely recommend hanging out. Yeah. I'm going to do my best to slide through. There's a, am I'm I'm probable to slide through. Twenty five percent chance I don't, right? I right. am doubtful. Yeah, no, you're definitely doubtful. But see, Sky River for me is in the direction of home. It's not on the way, but it's that direction. For you, it is the wrong way. It is the wrong way. You're going out of your so I get it. I get it. I don't I don't blame you one bit. Um we've talked so much lately as we as we circle back to the Sacramento Kings here. We've talked so much, especially after their loss to the Pelicans the other night, where Harrison Barnes plays thirty four minutes. He had four points and four rebounds and i think he took four shots i don't think he took i think he took three Three shots yeah just wasn't wasn't super impactful um really in any way it led to the whole discussion of like oh harrison barnes i gotta move on okay fine because i think you're right harrison barnes is your fifth dude okay but then you start looking at the kings and for me in fact this is this is kind of where i want to jump off for me the the whole discussion does not revolve around Harrison Barnes and is he good enough to be a team's fifth best player in a vacuum. It's if he's your fifth best player, what contributions do you need to get from 1 through 4? And that's where I think the the crux of the whole issue is for me. Because if Harrison Barnes is your fifth guy, I don't I think you need more from 1 through 4 that they're not necessarily going to get. I think you need to be better at one of at, I I say one through four, not as like not on the, on the floor positionally. I mean like in pecking order in your starting order or starting lineup. Yeah. Well, I I
4: think as of right now, I, part of the problem is that, that a couple of the guys aren't playing really uh, aren't playing consistently well around him. Right. Mm -hmm. So I would just, you know, again, Keegan Murray's been all over the board all season right. long. It, it's been, you know, he's shooting 38.9% from the field. He's shooting 30.8% from three. Like, he really has been up and down. He's averaging 12.9 points per game, but it's an inefficient, and he's missed a bunch of games, and we don't even know if he's going to play tomorrow night. Right. right. Like, again, he he had back trouble in the first half of uh, of the loss on Monday. And we don't even know where if he's going to be able to go or not. Um, and then I would also throw Kevin Herter in the same mix. Like Kevin Herter has played better, mm. but Kevin Herter is not the 15-point-something points-per-game guy that he was last year either at this point. Mm. He's shooting 45% from the field. He's shooting 38% from three, which is good. But again, he's around 12.9 points per game. The guy who's really stepped up is Malik Monk off the bench. He's right. at, at almost 15 points per game. And he's your third leading scorer, which I think is... It's interesting that your third leading scorer is your sixth man. Mm-hmm. So saying all this, I, I don't know what this... I, I think you're right, Kyle. Like The players around him have to be better, but I'm not sure that they can't be better. So like, I know who Fox and I know who Sabonis are. Mm-hmm. But I also think that both Keegan Murray and Kevin Herter are 15 to 17 point per game guys. Mm-hmm. Maybe you can't have everyone score that much, right? Mm-hmm. But I think at a minimum, King and Murray should be able to raise his game to a point where he's that guy. Yeah, you're just waiting for it. Like, when is it going to happen? And so far this season, he hasn't looked particularly great. He struggled. He's had injury problems. Like all these things are kind of piling up. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, if if everything is about this season, then I've got to go hunt somebody right now that can make me better, mm-hmm. right? But I don't think everything is about just this season.
3: A hundred percent. Yeah. And that's what that's that. The good news is, especially specifically just as Harrison Barnes was the jumping off point here. He can't even get traded until December 29. Yeah. So they have time to figure this out. My question is just by February when the trade deadline is if Keegan Murray is up and down still like, let's just say his numbers are roughly what they are right now. Maybe they're a tick better, but just kind of roughly what they are right now. He's been in and out with the back is it still just ah, hey you know what this is all fine we'll see how far this goes this year and then run it back again next year or do you make a move at this deadline for like you said the future not necessarily for this March but maybe for next March yeah and I keep saying March I mean April and May
4: yeah I, I I would keep saying that I don't think this team right now is has the horses to compete for a championship I agree I think they have they're good enough to maybe even make the Western Conference finals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But to win a championship, they would have to get lucky. Like like certain things would have to happen with other teams for them to get. Mm. And, and then if they got through the Western Conference somehow, you get to the finals. And, and it, again, I don't know that you could beat. If everyone had all of their players and you're going head up, I, I don't think that the Kings would be the the eventual winners. Just as they're constructed, I think
3: they're close, No, I do too. And that's why this whole discussion is even if they weren't close, if this was 2018, it'd be like, who cares? Like what? Yeah. Harrison Barnes is fine. But it does feel like, man, they are, they are on the precipice. But here's my, and this is, this is the whole issue I have is you can sit there and circle Harrison Barnes and go, Hey, you know what? That's the guy that, because Kevin Herter, you know, he can shoot it. Keegan Murray's a, a core piece. So are Domas and Fox. So they're untouchable. Those are your guys. So Harrison Barnes, he's got it. He's I just wonder what value he has and how much better you're actually going to make your team just by trading Harrison Barnes and some picks. Some picks that may or may not be that valuable to other teams. Like first round picks matter, but if you think the Kings are going to be good and those are going to be late first, those are going to be less valuable than a first from Washington or Detroit. I still think that
4: no matter who you're trading with, everyone believes that they're Sacramento Kings first round picks, and those are usually more valuable than anyone else picks.
3: Okay, that's because fair. Because
4: historically, the Kings have always been. So mm. you will get a little residual of like, hey, this is still a Sacramento Kings pick. They And and I also think that there are certain teams out there that believe that the Kings may plateau, that they may cap out like at a relatively moderate level. Where it's not going to be a team that you're you're looking at like the 25th, 26th, 27th pick in the draft. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, like their, their pick this last year, 24th pick, that's not a great pick. Mm-mm. That's not a, a, a pick that you can go, you know, be a franchise changer. Right. But, Kyle, I'd also make the argument that, like, how many times do we hear how many picks the Oklahoma City Thunder have?
3: Oh, dude, totally.
4: All the time, right? And no. what we don't hear is it oh well that's a 27th pick that's a 29th pick that's a right. 16th pick right. people don't start labeling those picks because you can't because you don't know where that team's going to be when it comes time yeah most of their those picks that they have aren't great picks
3: right. they have they, 18 of the next twenty first round picks like, okay
4: okay well <laughs> that's okay but what are you going to do you can't you can't draft all those players they right. can't all yeah. fit on a 15 man roster Mm-hmm. and that's what they've had problems with like they've had to dump players so yeah I, I would say that the king's pick is still valuable um and you know we talked a little bit about this yesterday they have the 24 24 pick is if they make the playoffs it gets relayed to the atlanta hawks uh, mm-hmm. as part of the kevin Herter trade if it doesn't then it floats out there and it could go in 25 or 26 mm-hmm. uh and it i think the in 2027 20, if it hasn't been relayed it's two seconds um so but the way the Kings could, they can trade their 26 as of right now. They can trade their 28, they can trade 30, but the 26, you have to put like a little asterisk that it's if the 2024 pick is relayed. Mm. Um, And then that would impact what you can do past that. You can't pay trade two years in a row and you can't trade extend out more than seven years. Mm. So the furthest the Kings can go is a 20, uh, the 2030 pick. Jeez.
3: 2030 bro yeah, that's just wild. nuts to me yeah as somebody who covers the nfl very closely the idea of trading a pick in 2030 blows my mind if you tried to call a team and say like hey we want to trade our 2030 first round pick they'd be like you can have a seventh next year i guess yeah Would just not even be <laughs> pick holds no value it's very
4: strange the, M- yeah. the nba is very strange and then you can trade a pick on draft night you can trade the player that was picked Hey, why did they do that? I can't we have to go to break, but I hate that. That you can trade a, a player once he's picked?
3: The, yeah, there are so many photos of guys in their draft hats, and then guys are being drafted by teams on that night, and everybody knows that they're not gonna play. I don't get it. It's
4: because of the stepping rule.
3: I don't get why. Just if the Kings draft a guy who's going to go to the Mavericks why doesn't that guy just put a Mavericks hat on everybody knows it's happening
4: yeah I, I kind of wish they would do that well it's always possible that the trade falls through somebody fails a physical or yeah, something but yeah weird those weird. deals are done though all of them
3: all right let's talk names who are some players the Kings could add to get better we're going to do that next uh, that's James and Kyle we're on ESPN 1320 Sacramento Sports Later.
2: To the insiders with James Ham and Kyle Madsen. Brought to you by Jiffy Lube on ESPN 1320.
3: Check that. 15 losses in a row for the Spurs now. 15.
4: Ooh.
3: And are the, are the, are the, uh, oh, okay. I was, I was wondering if the Detroit Pistons were still at 17. No, I think they're at 18 now. Is there another Victor
4: Wimanyama that no one told us about? I'm just wondering like why these teams are, I mean,
3: I, I, it's tough. They're gonna they're uh, everybody, <laughs> everybody's tanking again. No, that's the thing. That's the thing that sucks with Detroit. And a uh, friend of the station, Trista Crick, did a whole podcast about this. Check out the Heat Check, uh, an Odyssey original podcast. But she did a whole thing about this. How like the the Pistons were trying. The Pistons aren't tanking. The Pistons genuinely built this roster and then hired Monty Williams to be like, yeah, hey, we have the talent. You mold it now, and we're gonna win a lot. That was their plan. You know, someone in the chatty house. They were two and one after three games. They were two Whoa. and one on October 28th. We're on December 7th, and they haven't won. Oof.
4: Okay, so I'm going to pull this up right here. Uh, Securing a beam said Monty Williams is a fraud. Um, no. That's a lot. Uh, yeah, that's a, a lot. I'm going to say that uh, Monty Williams in that situation. Like you're, it, you're the same as Dave Yeager was when the Kings traded for all these young players mm-hmm. and drafted all these young players, where they had nine first and second year players. Yeah. and Dave Yeager's second season with the Kings, like I think Money Williams is a good coach. He's not like my favorite coach. Yeah, like and I like there's, there's also something to this specific job. He didn't really want to take this
3: job. Yeah, did you see how much they paid him?
4: <laughs> well, he kept saying no. And they kept throwing more money in. Yeah. And it's like, hey, I want to buy your house. My house isn't for sale.
3: Well, it is now. Yeah.
4: Here's $5 million. Yeah, here's $5 million. Like, uh-huh. okay, well, I guess I, guess I have moving. to take this. I, I guess <laughs> I guess, I have to do this. Um, yeah, so I, I think he can coach. I just think he's in a weird situation there where you have so many young players. And the problem that he's starting to run into is I think you're starting to lose Cade Cunningham you you're, you're going to see some of those players like especially like Cade hey, like I didn't sign up for this. Get me out of here now. Yeah. I'm not going to be a piston for life. Mm-hmm. I'm not doing this. You have to find find a way for me to go somewhere else because this is not who and what I want to be as a basketball
3: player. Yeah, there's not competitive. And that's that's got to be the hardest thing. Yeah, that
4: and there's no way for him to be great there. Yeah. And and like you want him as a player you want to find a way to be great. Well, if the other team just tries to take you away and like double team you and do things mm-hmm. to slow you down all the time, it really does limit how good you can be. And I, I feel for him, you know, he's not shooting well, but again, I, I'm going to guarantee like most of his shots are very highly contested. And, you know, he's averaging 22 and 7.4 assists per game. And he's he's a good young player. He's still only 20, well, he's 22, um, but this is one of those things where you can ruin a young player like this and uh, he he needs to find somewhere else to play. Like it they've got talent. And I think Jalen Duran's really talented. I think Asur uh, Thompson is that's,
3: really talented. That and that's why I think that's that's where like I don't think Monty Williams is like a like a top five coach or anything crazy like that. I think he's an NBA coach though. But yeah. I also don't know if he's equipped for a roster like this. That hey this this team needs an this is not the Pistons overestimated how good their team was they thought Monty Williams was going to step in and be like hey here's what we can do with all this talent and it turns out like I'm not I'm out on James Wiseman I'm out on Marvin Bagley I'm out on Jaden Ivey like I just don't I don't I don't think those are championship level pieces where you can say hey yeah let's start here this is a good foundation yeah. and, Cade Cunningham can be a foundational piece. I think a Thompson can be a foundational piece in Jalen Durant. I think those are the three players where you're like, yeah, everything else on that roster. What's Alec Burks doing there?
4: Oh, yeah. What's Bojan Bogdanovich doing on that roster? Yeah. Why is Bojan there? And you, you had two first round picks that were I, offered to you and you said no. I don't. What?
3: I, I don't understand what, what they're doing. But they've now lost 18 in a row.
4: Somehow we got sidetracked when we're talking about the Detroit happen? Pistons. I don't know. We, I no we, we Coming out of the break, we were talking about like these two teams that can't win at all. No, you're right. Um, Yeah. So
3: okay. what else do we got to get to? Back to a team that can win.
4: That's right.
3: So we're talking about trade ideas. Okay, so who? I'm going to throw names out and we're just going to talk about them. So I was listening to a podcast and somebody who covers the, the, the Raptors was on it. And they were saying that he was saying that he believes that the Raptors have an either-or thing with OG and Siakam. And he's also... not Like, they won't keep both of them. And he's also of the mind that they are inclined to pay OG and an OB. Like, they want to pay him and make him and Scotty Barnes the new thing moving forward. Okay. Which means Siakam is probably the one who's going to be available there. Okay. Is Pascal Siakam a player that you would like to see the Kings try and get? Of course. I, I am with you. The problem is, and I'm so happy you said that, because if you had said no, it really would have derailed what I had to say. Um, the problem is, is I don't know that the Kings have the assets or want to part with the assets that would make that deal happen. Because I think there's going to be several teams that want Pascal Siakam.
4: Uh, well, there's going to be a lot of teams that want Pascal Siakam. Um, the problem that you have there is, number one, he's a free agent at the end of the season. Correct. So you'd have to put him in a situation where he can succeed and wants to, wants to go wherever he's going. Right. Right. Now I, I always say that. And then, you know, like I'll just say that like very seldom do players get traded to the Sacramento Kings and then instantly be like, yeah, I'm out of here. Like that doesn't happen. Like we saw it with, uh, George Hill. Um, no, like he get he signed here and then, Didn't want to be here. No, like what I mean is more of the Dante DiVincenzo situation where where you get a player who gets traded to the Kings and Mm -hmm. then that offseason leaves, right? More often than not, what happened like with Sabonis or what happened with Harrison Barnes multiple times now happens. People get to Sacramento. They're like, hey, this is much different than I thought. The vibe is cool. The building's cool. Uh, The fan base is incredible. You feel Mm -hmm. like a superstar when you're walking around. It's not like being in Toronto where you're one of a million things that are going on in the city of Toronto. You walk around Toronto, uh, like maybe people are like running up to get your autograph everywhere you go. But it's also possible that you're just, you know, again, the... The baseball stadium's right next to it. Yeah, yeah. And there's another 25 players right there that are Mm -hmm. wandering around your city as well. There's other things happening, is my point. You know, hockey, all that stuff. Um, The problem is that Siakam is like, he's a $38 million player. So you got to come up with a lot to get him. And and not just to match salaries, but then on top of that, what is it you're giving up? So if if I'm the Raptors, I'm listening. Like you have to Mm -hmm. listen. I'd say the key to Siakam is this, is that he's a really good passer, he's a really good rebounder, he's a really good scorer. Mm-hmm. When Demona Sabonis steps off the floor, you could still run your offense through Pascal Siakam. When they're on the floor together, you can space the floor with Siakam because he can't shoot the three ball. Yeah. Like he does check a bunch of the boxes. Thing is, he's 29 years old, he'll be 30, uh, you know, like soon. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing is, you're going to have to give up something to get him. So if they're willing to listen for, you know, it'd have to be a package of like Harrison Barnes, Davion Mitchell, uh, Chris Duarte, that might get you there salary-wise. Mm-hmm. And then two first-round picks. That's one thing, but that's a lot to extend if you're the Kings. If you don't have any guarantee, he's going to stick. Yeah, He's going to stay around. And
3: Turns you know. 30 at the end of this season, okay. April 2nd. Yeah, yeah. So you would be also then having to pay him probably a lot of money through his age, like 34 season.
4: Yeah, you you have to give him a five-year extension, a five-year it's deal.
3: 35 season.
4: Yeah, 34, 35, yeah. Oof. That's a lot,
3: but and, you're and probably going to get plenty out of it. I, I agree. So if they just... Innovate, Adam Silver says, I'm stepping in, I'm putting Pascal Siakam on the Kings for free. They don't have to give anything up. Like, awesome. But I just... This is the exact type of deal, and the reason I started with, with Pascal was because... I don't know that the Raptors are doing that for anything less than Keegan Murray. Okay.
4: And then the Kings probably still hang up the phone.
3: I, I, I would yeah. do the same
4: thing. Yeah. So like the Kings have said, no, no, no about trading, um, Keegan Murray before you're right now. You're like, why would you sell low on Keegan? Cause he's not playing well. He's, he's had a back issue. Um, you need to see if he's going to be the guy. And Still,
3: yeah, I, I'm with, and that just sends a terrible message. Like, hey, this guy made more threes than any rookie ever, and he was awesome, and then punt.
4: Yeah, but they also traded Tyrese Halliburton a year and a half in. Yeah,
3: but that wasn't not uh, in, this, I, I know. in this situation at all. No, different.
4: no, I, I know okay. the situation's different, but that would be my rebuttal is like, well, they've shown that they would trade before, but there's a love of Keegan Murray within the walls of that organization. Mm-hmm. They've pinned a lot of their hopes exactly. to him. They need him to play up to that, and he struggled to do that so far in year two. But and there's a, proof a positive
3: th- that he fits, though, yeah, yeah, that
4: you can win with him. No, I totally agree. Yeah, so, yep,
3: uh, I have more names, we'll do that next. Okay, yes, 1320.
2: After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medella is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste because you know the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. There are any number of reasons you might consider selling your home. That's where an agent who is a realtor comes in to navigate the process to sell your home in a way that's right for you. Because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. Now, back to the insiders with James Hamm and Kyle Madsen, brought to you by Jiffy Lube on ESPN 1320.
3: Damn right, we're brought to you by Jiffy Lube.
2: That's
4: right, Kyle.
3: Yeah, man. We, uh, we appreciate... We appreciate them very much for the PS5s, which we will be giving away next week. We will also be giving away a copy of NBA 2K24. If you're like, "Hey, I don't want to wait till next week to do that," well, I have, a, I have a suggestion for you. Get down to Sky River Casino today, at Blue Thirty Two, Dilo and Casey doing a live show out there. They're out there for four hours, their entire show, noon to four. And they took with them, they stole from us. They absconded with. Check that. No, we gave to them. That's right. <laughs> APS 5 and a copy of NBA 2K24. So they will be down there with that, giving that away at their live show at Sky River Casino. So That's awesome. Uh, good drinks down there, good food, really good times, and a chance to win a you must gaming console.
4: Be, you must be present to win. I, I think that that's what I, mean. I would assume so.
3: Yeah. Yeah, so get down there. Get just down in there. case. Yeah, just in case it's like no. you and
4: two people, and then yeah. all you have to do is be able to beat up the other person. And what? you get a PS Five.
3: I already saw. I already saw that Zabo in our YouTube chat at youtube.com slash ESPN thirteen twenty is yep. just in the building already. He's already at Sky River. Just at Sky River, watching him set up and and watching the inside. Heck yeah! Him. Shout out Zabo.
4: I had a great time doing that. Uh, going down there that one time where that's, that's that was that's the, the origins. Time, that's the first time you and I ever met. Uh, it, in person. Really? Oh, I was gonna say
3: we had done shows though.
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in person, that's the first time that I think we'd ever like. Like uh, I was at NBC. You were at NBC. We didn't know each other though.
3: I knew who you were. <laughs> you did not know who I was. Yeah, that's but fine. That, no, that's it, fine. That's it's, fine. No, that's fine. It's really difficult. You didn't there. take time. You didn't get take, take time to get to know the little people. It's a, <laughs> There's like a <laughs> wall of people. All these there's snapshots. So many people. <laughs> and I, there's so many people. And I
4: was there like twice a month.
3: Yeah. And yeah, they're yeah.
4: like, Hey James. And I'm like, Hey.
3: <laughs> Hi, bud. How are you? Hey, gu- hey, guy. Hey, guy. What's up? What's up, dude? Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. That's funny. Yeah. Just super mad that you didn't take the time to know every PA <laughs> every, in the building.
4: Every person. As,
3: as I ran the ticker. Um, people took the ticker seriously. You think that little thing that comes up on the bottom of the screen, I'm sure it's all automated now. But when I started at NBC, you had to like manually put in this headline. Oh or yeah. This thing, the scores were all automated, but if there the was t- like a game replay, you had to make sure that the ticker was scheduled to not have the score in the game replay. It was a whole thing. That's awesome. It was it was a lot and I had no idea that that much work. I had full shifts just dedicated to doing the ticker. Oh, that's wild. Insane. I would have had
4: like no idea that that someone does that there. Like
3: That's because do you know what? Because they put you in the corner. And they're like, this is your workstation.
4: Please. Nobody puts Kyle in the corner.
3: Oh no, they did daily. Wow. It's fine. It's okay. Whatever.
4: All right, whatever.
3: Throw me more names. Who I got we? more. I got more names. Let's for do you this. For King's trades. That's what we're doing right now. King's King's trade ideas, ways to make the Kings better, because they're not they're not so far away that it's like massive overhaul, gotta redo everything. But it's definitely like, hey, and it's not a tiny roster tweak like, hey, if they get their seventh or eighth guy. They need they need a significant enough addition that it like impacts their starting lineup, but at the same time you've got to make that addition without getting rid of Keegan Murray. So, um, I'm just going to throw some names up. We've talked about this guy before, Alex Caruso.
4: Yeah, I would take Alex Caruso Minter. on this roster anytime. So fast, uh, he can play multiple positions, uh, a one, two, three. He's I, a good defender.
3: I think he'd be the player they thought they were getting with Chris Duarte.
4: Okay, that makes sense.
3: Like just the same kind of role.
4: Yeah. And I think that that's the problem that, you know, you haven't been able to give Duarte enough of a leash. And then there's been games where he's been really good, but then other games where you're like, okay, like he's not even in the rotation, sort mm-hmm. of. Um, and, and that's a problem.
3: And that's what that's the whole thing is we talk about this team and, and you talk about building is not, this is not a conversation for, hey, how do they win a playoff series? This is a conversation for, hey, how do they go to the conference finals? How do they get into that contending tier? Yeah. And if you have a bench full of guys where it's like, yeah, sometimes, but you don't want to go into a playoff series with if you're Mike Brown going, okay, I know I've got Malik Monk and De'Aaron Fox. I don't know why I said Malik first, but Malik Monk, De'Aaron Fox, Damanis Sabonis, um, Keegan Murray, and then Kevin Herter. Kevin Herter. And then who's what's the depth look like? We'll figure it out on the fly. you don't want to do that. In the regular season, you can all mix and match and play matchups and, oh, hey, Sasha's going to get 20 minutes. You can't do that in a playoff series. At least not, not four and go win a title. So, um, I think Caruso would help the depth immensely. Yeah. And I think he'd be available for a reasonable ask.
4: I also think he'd be, like, people fight me on this, like, oh, no, he's going to cost way more than that. Oh, there's going to be so many teams that want him.
3: like, Calm down. I think there are going to be a lot of teams that want him to a point. Like, I think there will be a lot of teams that call and go like, hey, you take a couple of seconds for Caruso. Well, that's what it
4: is. There's going to be a bunch of teams that want him and the asking price that they're going to offer is a sec- is one or two second round picks and an expiring contract. Yeah. Can you come up with that? Mm-hmm. And the fact is, yes, the Kings or, or even not an expiring contract. Can you come up with a lower budget contract yeah. that maybe is two years that you got something you can work with? Mm -hmm. So I I don't know what it would take, um, but that's someone that I definitely like you're talking about like seven, eight, nine man on your rotation, Mm -hmm. but like maybe the equivalent of what you have in Trey Lyles, but in guard form.
3: Yeah. He's played in big games. You know what you're going to get out of him. I'm, I'm all in on that idea. What about Kelly Olenek? Um,
4: Okay. So I really dig Olenek and I think he's a really good player. I think he does a lot of what Sabonis does, just at like he's sort of a little bit budget, um, definitely physical. I would at least, I would at least listen. Mm. The problem that I have with Olenek is that is he too similar? Can he block shots? Can he can he play defense at a higher clip or give you something different? on the defensive end. Again, he's physical. He's a good rebounder. He's a, he's a very good passer. I think you can mm-hmm. run the offense for him. I guess if I'm going to say, I'll say this. If I've always said yes to Mason Plumley, <laughs> then I would have to say yes to Kelly Olenek because sure. I actually think Olenek and his ability to shoot the three gives you an opportunity that at some point you could actually pair those two together for a short stint. Um, he's 32 years old. I don't know what he makes, um, but I could have that up in like two seconds. We have the technology. Final year of a 12, he he makes 12.1 million this year, 12.2. So that would cost you a little
3: bit. He's hurt right now. Okay. By January, maybe he's good to go. But yeah, I, I think that that helps in terms of, it's not like, oh, hey, all of a sudden you have an elite big man or anything like that. And honestly- He's not even starting. But I'd feel way better about 18 minutes of Kelly Olenek than I would 12 minutes of Javiel McGee. Yeah,
4: I think so too. Especially his ability to shoot the three, his ability to pass the ball. Mm-hmm. Those are things that stand... And his ability to, to get physical and pop somebody. Yes. Yeah, yeah. like uh, like an enforcer. I, I'm i down with that. Yeah. Like I would take Kelly olinick But again, it's with the understanding that he's... Number eight, number nine, number 10 in my rotation.
3: Oh, for sure. For sure. But again, if Kelly Olenek is like your ninth guy, eh, all right.
4: Okay. So let's just, before we move on, like, can we establish that you're in some order, you have seven players that you're super comfortable with, with the Kings. That's Fox, uh, Herter, uh, Barnes, Keegan, Domas, and then your next two guys off the bench. Are Malik Monk and uh, and Trey Lyles, right? So you you have seven. You could find somebody who pushes one of those guys down a little bit further on, uh, as far as the rank of what we're saying. But then it's that next step, the eight, nine, ten, where you don't know what you have.
3: Right? Yeah, and honestly, like, but that's that's the thing is, and I guess maybe this is this is the the bigger the bigger piece of this conversation is you name those seven guys and you say, hey, okay, you're talking about your eighth or ninth guy. I don't know that this top seven is enough to go win a title. Okay. That's my, that's the big question I have, which is why I look at Harrison Barnes and I look at Kevin Herter. And if Trey Lyles is, if Trey Lyles is now eight. Okay. That's now you're talking. Yes. Yes. If Trey Lyles is like a guy that you're leaning on heavily. I'm not. I'm not totally there.
4: Well, if if your goal is to win a championship,
3: yes, and yeah, that's yeah. that's kind of like I said. That's even, the lens I'm I'm trying to view this through.
4: Even yeah, if there's a way that you could make a trade to bring in a really, really, really excellent player that moves into your starting five, and and it doesn't require you to lose a Harrison Barnes, man, now you're really like Harrison Barnes as your one of your three guys coming off the bench. Now you're talking about something. Yeah. Right. I'm a lot more comfortable in that situation, but again, whoever it would be, it's going to be a fifth starter and yeah. and or a, f- a fourth option. You know, they're going to be fighting for a third, fourth, fifth option, mm-hmm. and so maybe you can get somebody to fit into that. I, I I don't know.
3: I would call the Warriors about Moses Moody. Yeah, I would. He doesn't play consistently enough. Yep, they don't. Every time he plays, he's good he's played big playoff minutes for them they still won't put him consistently in the rotation I know they have this two timelines in oh and two timeline timelines is over I know but that's there that's yeah if, it's over it so. is it it's been and so if I'm if I'm the Kings I'd call and see hey what's the asking price on on Moody here yeah because that's a wing player who hustles on defense and I wouldn't call him like a great defender but he's a fine okay defender, good rebounder, knocks down threes. And that's where this is in the scope of like this year. A, I think he can get better. And if he plays more specifically, but B, now if he's like your eighth guy consistently night in and night out. Well, he's
4: that long athletic wing defender that you don't have. And he's not like some of the wing defenders that are going to go do the highlight reel donk here and there. Mm -hmm. He's more of a three and D guy. Mm Mm-hmm that needs to tighten up the defense a little bit. But he's long and athletic, you know, basically like a, a more offensive version. Well, he's like the offensive version of like a matisse Mm-hmm. So you're not getting the elite defender, but you are getting that type of energy player. I just don't think like he's not Herb Jones where he's going to go get no. like, like five layups- in a game and you're like well, how did that just happen. You know, I think he he does have skill though. And I do like Moses Moody. I liked him in the draft and he's a player that I thought that the Kings should have considered just because of his his uh like attributes as a player like his length, athleticism, speed, yeah. ability to shoot the 3, all those things. Yeah, I would still I, be I mean, in. He's 21.
3: I don't I I don't and because of that I don't think Golden State would be super interested in dealing him. I I, I don't. But again, <laughs> They also don't seem super interested in playing him regularly. So I have I have no idea what their plan is. So I just throw him in there. No, no, that's fine. <laughs> yeah. Um, would you call the Wizards? Hear me out. Yep. <laughs> would you call the Wizards and say, what's up with Tyus Jones?
4: Yes. I would too. I would say, what's up with Tyus Jones? What's up with Denny Avisha? Mm, I, I don't love. Denny an interesting one. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't think Denny is a earth shattering changing thing. And the problem that I have, Tyus Jones just got there, right? Mm-hmm. But Denny Avija has been there long enough to really, really feel losing. Yeah. And I don't know that you want to go get a player who just has done nothing but been part of losing. And I don't blame him at all. It's more of a um like a situational thing. Mm. Like I I think Denny Avija is a good player. I think he can, he plays a little bit of defense. He can pass the ball. He can shoot the ball. Like, I think if you're looking for a long-term potential starter at the three, maybe Denny Avija is one of those guys, but he's also, I'd say like, there's a possibility he is who he is and he's not going to be much better. And then you're in the situation that he's, he's again, another player that might not be good enough to put you over the top.
3: I did not realize that his per 36 this year, because he only plays uh, 27 minutes a night. His per 36 this year is 16, 7, and 5.
4: Yeah. Well, he only plays 27 minutes because they've been blown out of every game and yeah. they have to they can't go to the other guys. And That's
3: what is important. he? Is he 23, 24? Denny Avdija is 22, almost 23. Oh, 23 he's, in he's
4: young. Yeah, he's yeah, still a baby. I, I would I would take I a risk there. I, I don't I don't hate that either. Um, but again, our that's not who we're talking about. Like you're looking yeah. at that right there might be a secession plan, right? Yeah. That might be like the next thing you're gonna do after Harrison Barnes.
3: Here's here's where these type of um Tyus Jones, Denny of Deja. If we're sitting here in the middle of January and Keegan Murray is suddenly shooting forty two percent from three and Kevin Herter has found his shot consistently, and he's starting to—he's scoring 15 a night. And you have Keegan Murray up in the 15 to 17 range, and everything kind of starts to fall into place, and the Kings look like the Kings from last year. Now, all of a sudden, and De'Aaron Fox is, is continuing his superstar ascension, and he's in the MVP conversation, all that jazz. Mm-hmm. Right? Now, all of a sudden, the bar for the player they need to go get for this year comes down significantly for me. Yeah, but he, the problem is the
4: player still has to be good enough to, to eat minutes mm-hmm. in a system... Be in the rotation. Yeah, in, yeah. in a system that has Keegan Murray, Harrison Barnes, Sasha Vizinkov. Mm-hmm. Like, it can't be a fringe, fringe player. It, sure. it, like, it has to be a, a guy who's going to play 20, 20 minutes a night or something and, and is good enough to beat out those players for some minutes. And, you know, again, if... It's fine if you have 3 and D players that have long wingspans and everything else like a Kessler-Edwards. Mm-hmm. The fact is Kessler-Edwards can't get off the bench. He he can't find consistent minutes in this rotation. Yeah. He has to be much better than that where he walks in with the cachet that mm-hmm. he's going to play substantial time for your team.
3: Hmm. That's why I like Tyus Jones. Tyus Jones doesn't need anything. Plug I mean, him in. He's good yeah.
4: to go. I'm good with Tyus Jones. Yeah, Tyus Jones, Tyus Jones is one Jones. of my guys. Like I, I've, he's I've a gangster. Like, well, he just doesn't turn the ball over. He doesn't make mistakes. No. He plays defense. He knocks down threes. threes. Yeah, like I, I would definitely look at him. I, you know, he's another, the reason
3: the he's the reason Memphis was good when Ja was out. Oh yeah, totally. Just having an awesome backup point guard.
4: Yeah, and I feel for him because now he's in a bad situation where you're just sitting there. So I, I would look at Tyus Jones a lot of the way that that maybe people looked at Darren Collison years ago. Hmm. Like if Darren Collison. Is your starter? You're not very good. Sure. But if Darren Collison is in your your top seven of your rotation,
3: mm-hmm. you're probably really good. Yeah. Would that? Do you think that would have an impact on Malik Monk though? Because it feels like Monk has really, I don't want to say taken off, but he's really taken to that kind of backup point guard role. Well, I mean, I think that would that's that one of the.
4: You? that's one of the problems that you have. And that's why like a Chris Duarte makes a ton of sense. When you go get Chris Duarte, if he pans out and he be, it becomes a player that you hoped that he would be like a defender, that can shoot the three and, and they can get you, give you some physicality, all those things. And I'm not saying give up on Chris Duarte at this point, but what I'm saying is that like, if he can play off the ball and Malik can be the, the lead guard as your backup, mm-hmm. I think you're pretty good.
3: I do too. Yeah. Does Hey, does Malik, Hmm, I have two directions to go here. Okay. What if the Clippers wind up stinking? Would you call and see what's up with Paul George? Of course. Okay.
4: Yeah, because I think Paul George, again, puts you in the championship contender. Paul
3: George, this year, yes. Yeah. That is, he's the player that when you go look kind of throughout the league, and again, this is on the pretense that the Clippers all of a sudden lose 10 in a row and there's infighting and everything just looks like it's going to kind of blow up in their face yeah so that's yeah, yeah. There, there's a massive massive caveat here i think the clippers are probably going to be a playoff team so they're probably going to be fine but if that doesn't happen i think i'm 100 percent calling and then trying to compete for a title this year because that's the kind of move that would be
4: yeah and i i think the problem you know of course he's got injury history um he he also has a gigantic salary is at 45 million bucks and i think it's 45.6 i think his player option next year is 48 it's almost 49 so that's nearly impossible because in order to pull that off it's it's like barnes it's harder and then it's probably duarte i'm just i'm just not saying like as a trade I'm saying just to match salaries.
3: Yeah, and that's and that that is where you get for me to. Okay, where's the like risk reward of this? At what point are you giving up so much that the addition is no longer making you better? Well, and that's
4: where it's if the addition is 25 years old. Sure, that's one thing. But that player is probably not available. Well, it's probably they're probably not available. But then you're taking a step a momentary step back to take a gigantic leap forward. So Mm -hmm. let's just say that like McHill Bridges becomes available. Mm -hmm. It's not going to happen, but let's say he does. Sure. Like you're giving up three first round picks and you're giving up plus, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever, whatever you can, you can give up to, to make that move. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's going to take something to match salaries. But on top of that, you're going to have to give up a bunch to match just the quality of player. Mm-hmm. But then he instantly becomes your third best player. And that's a different trade. Siakam, he instantly becomes your third best player. And it pushes everybody down a notch. Mm-hmm. And and that's okay. Like, those are players that you're willing to take that type of gamble on, especially if they check all of the boxes, right? So Bridges is someone who checks, like, way, way too many boxes. And I think, like, if I compare him and OG Ananobi... Like, I would take Mikhail Bridges over OG Ananobi every single time, but... I think I would do. Yeah, it's, it, it, you know, he's 27 years old. He fits your age arc. He, he's long, athletic. He's one of the best defenders you're going to find. He, I mean, right now he's averaging 24 points, four, uh, four assists and six rebounds a game. He's a steal machine. Like, this is a guy that you're like, okay, I can, I can see him being, like, the equivalent of a big three plus... He's under contract for 21.7 this year, 23 next year, and 24.9 the year after that. Like, he had signed a ridiculous extension that was very affordable. He's a he's something that you throw, you go all in. Like, what do I have yeah, yeah. to do to go all in to get you?
3: But those I, players I don't, don't just come available. No. Yeah.
4: No, and you not only have to have first-round picks, you might have to go get an additional first-round pick from someone else.
3: Yeah. Yeah, that'd be yeah. I don't think they're in the earth-shattering move phase just yet. Especially with Keegan Murray being up and down and in and out of the lineup, Kevin Herter being up and down. I think they're. I think the Kings would be fine going into this postseason. It's like yeah, be competitive in the first round, maybe win a playoff series. And then look to continue building next year after reassessing in the offseason. Yeah. I think they'd be totally fine with that.
4: Yeah. And I would say, like, I said it the other day that, like, you need another Sabonis trade. That's what Mikhail Bridges would be. It would be, I, I'm i getting a franchise cornerstone to go with two others. Yes. Yeah. And how that's going to that? take some doing. I don't know how you do that. But yeah.
3: Yeah. Not, not without, not without unloading a, a significant access a- asset asset yes asset in uh, in the process all right we're gonna get out of here because we have to give way to i say we have to uh we have to freaking let dlo and kc take over uh, dlo and kc they're hanging out down at sky river casino right now at blue 32 head in there when you walk in the door it's just to the right head in there have a great time um good food good drinks they're giving away a ps5 courtesy of our friends over at jiffy lube And, uh, oh, and NBA 2K24 is coming with it. That's right. So head down there, win a PS5, have a great time, have some good food, have some good drinks down at Sky River. Appreciate everybody for hanging out today. We'll be back tomorrow. We will talk about the Kings and Suns. We will also have a Week 14 NFL look ahead for you. All of that coming up on the Insiders tomorrow. D'Lo and Casey are next right here on ESPN 1320, Sacramento's sports
0: leader. Jeffy Lou is what I'm calling it. Damn right.